0: I want to get up tonight
1: Listen to Rob Ross and rock my I On the only podcast that I'll hear That won't make me wanna rip off my Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rock Show. I'm Rocker Mike, Rob Rossi there in the left hand box. How you doing, Rob? Hey, what's up, Mike? And this is episode 190. Man, we're really getting up there in shows, right? 190. Yeah, it's in um,
0: 2024,
1: we'll hit 200, right? Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to celebrate that. And do you
0: know tick- what show that is? Do you? Because you, you, you gave uh, me I'm a. Gonna,
1: yeah, I, I'm going to have to look. I got everything scheduled out to around March. Yeah. Uh, I have to look. I don't know if we have 10 more shows scheduled, but definitely by, I'd say it'd be by the end of May. Yeah, probably the end yeah. of May. Yeah. So today's episode is about the Pixies. And uh, it's kind of a, a, a special show, because Rob, you're a huge fan. I know uh, you I've love been them.
0: to so many. I've been to probably like 12 shows. I've seen them a bunch of times.
1: Really? Really? I've seen them once. It was on the, the Doolittle
0: tour. Let me tell you, the last show they did with uh, Cat Powers and Modest Mouse, um, Cat Powers was good. Modest Mouse was not that good, but um, the Pixie were fantastic, man. You they saw
1: them at amazing. the Garden, I think, right? You no, that
0: them. was at the Pier 17, the oh, roof deck. It was That's a beautiful venue, man. I mean, we, yeah. We've been
1: there. Oh, yeah, it's Seaport. That's where we saw Social Distortion together. Yeah, cult they were South great, Park. man. Yeah, I saw the cult there last
0: year, too. That's a great venue. Oh yeah, a lot of people went to that show too. A lot of people I knew when the, that went there. That it's it's a fantastic venue, and um, we get some pretty good seats when we go there because uh, we get like that VIP section, so it's pretty good.
1: Yeah, it's right near the beer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right yeah,
1: <laughs> real close to the bar. There's got a couple outside bars there. It's very nice. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So and- the, the the Pixies are uh, are uh, an interesting band. They kind of get lumped in with that 90s alternative stuff but they actually were around for a few years even before the 90s i mean they go back to the mid 80s
0: yeah
1: you know so they got kind of lumped in with that alternative era uh but i think that they just they were totally their own genre really they were like their own entity they didn't really fit that category very well in my opinion um They actually go back to 1984 where some of the members met, but um, you know, basically uh, Frank Black, who at that time was known as Black Francis, okay? Uh, Him and uh, I believe Joey Santiago had met. Uh, They lived next to each other in a suite while attending the University of Massachusetts while they were in college. Now, Santiago was often worried about distractions. He was a student, you know, very determined student. And he noticed Francis played music and the pair began to jam together. They were both interested in music. Um, Francis embarked on a student exchange trip to Puerto Rico to study Spanish. And after six months, he returned to the college and then dropped out. Okay. Uh, Francis and then Santiago, Santiago, Spent 1984 working in a Boston area warehouse with Francis composing songs on his acoustic guitar and writing lyrics on the train back and forth. So that's kind of like the the you know the seed planted for the Pixies back in uh, the University of Massachusetts.
0: Yeah, because they started that. But you know what's funny when they really got when they really got big. It sounds ridiculous, but it was um, that movie. Um... What the hell? What's the movie that they play at the end of the movie with um, Ed Ed Norton? Um, oh, not uh, Fight Club.
1: which one? The Fight Club. Oh, fi- Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, okay, that's right. They, they they're on the soundtrack to that. Yeah, yeah, because
0: remember at the end where everything's blowing up, right? All all
1: the buildings are coming down. Yeah,
0: yeah, that that start playing. I think that's where they really actually people started really going into that. People liked it, but that really became like. People that didn't know that they looked it up and that's it. They started this and that that they became so popular after that movie.
1: That was a that was a big
0: film when that came out. That was a gigantic film. That was a crazy film too. If you ever seen it,
1: it's oh, yeah. by the end of it, you're
0: like, what the hell happened?
1: Yeah. You don't know what's true, what's not true. You know, it's one of those movies. So the pair of Santiago and and Black uh formed a band in January of nineteen eighty-six. Two weeks later, Francis placed an advertisement seeking a bass player who liked. Now check this out. This was the ad. You had to like Peter Paul and Mary and Huskadoo <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's actually I, I love that. That that's great. You know, at that two two ends of the spectrum. But yeah. that, you know they have that they have that folkiness about them that. Peter, Paul, and Mary was known for, you know, okay yeah. stuff. So it's, it's interesting. Now, Kim Deal, the bass player who would become the bass player, was the only respondent to that ad. And she arrived at the audition without a bass, okay? She never played one before. So she just liked the ad and showed up. Yeah. All right? So she was invited to join. As she liked the songs, Francis showed her. She obtained a bass and the trio started rehearsing in Deal's apartment. Now, after recruiting Deal, Kim paid for her sister Kelly Deal to fly to Boston and audition as the drummer. Now, though Francis approved, Kelly was not confident in her drumming and was more interested in playing songs written by Kim. She later would join Kim's band, The Breeders, yeah. which were a pretty cool band. Uh, yeah. Kim's husband suggested they hire David Lovering, and uh, whom Kim had met at a wedding reception. The group arrived at a name after Santiago selected the word "pixies" randomly from a dictionary, uh, liking how it looked and the definition of like uh, mischievous little elves. That they, he felt they kind of, uh, you know, it kind of you uh, know kind of suited them well. Um, The Pixies moved rehearsals to Lovering's Parents Garage in mid-1986 and began to play shows at bars in the Boston area. Um, While the Pixies were playing a concert with the band The Throwing Muses, they were noticed by producer Gary Smith, manager of Fort Apache Studios. He told the band he could not sleep until you guys were world famous. He just loved them right away. The band produced a 17-track demo at Fort Apache Studios soon afterwards, known to fans as the Purple Tape. And uh, because it it had like a purple background on the tape. Yeah. Um, Now, funded by Francis's father at the cost of $1,000, the recording session was completed in three days. Local promoter Ken Goes became the band's manager, and he passed the demo to Ivo Watts Russell, of the independent record label 4AD. Watts Russell nearly passed on the band. He almost didn't sign them, finding them kind of like too normal, almost like too rock and roll. But he signed them at the persuasion of his girlfriend. So upon signing with 4AD records, eight tracks from the Purple Tape was selected for the Come On Pilgrim mini LP. (laughs) (laughs) That was their first release, Pixie's first release. So... Francis drew upon his experiences in Puerto Rico, mostly in the songs Vamos and Isla de Encanta. What was that Enchanted Island? Yeah. <laughs> Vamos is Let's Go. I got. know that. Okay. Now, describing the poverty in Puerto Rico was something that he was interested in doing in the lyrics. And uh, some of the songs, Isla de Encanta has some loose Spanish song in it. So... The religious lyrics in "Come On Pilgrim" and later albums came from his parents' born-again Christian days in the Pentecostal church. Critic Heather Fairs sees them themes like uh, sexual frusta- frustration in the song "I've Been Tired." There's an actual like incest reference in the song "Nimrod's Son," and the holiday song also on the record. Uh, some, you know, fr- Frank Black had some strange lyrics. I will say, yeah, but- he does have like. Yeah, and that, and that purple album,
0: I think they had a uh, Here Comes Your Man was uh, one that was pretty popular for a long time. Yeah, that's
1: on the uh, record coming up, uh, Doolittle, but um, that's that's when I got kind of turned on to them with that. But they had an album before that. Uh, it was called Surfer Rosa. Yeah. That was the follow-up to Come On Pilgrim. Yeah. Uh, and that's their real first full-length album. The first one was more like an EP.
0: Yeah,
1: but I think the purple one was only like 16 minutes, something like that. Well, the purple one was the demo, yeah. Yeah. The the songs were short. Um, Yeah, the world's short. Yeah. Now, the first full-length album was called Surfer Rosa, and it was recorded by Steve Albini, who was hired by Watts Russell on the advice of a 4AD colleague. They completed this album in two weeks, and it was released in early 1988. Surfer Rosa gained the Pixies acclaim in Europe. Uh, Melody Maker picked up on them and Sounds as well. Uh, both of them giving them album of the year in their in their publications. Uh, American critical response was also pretty positive, yet a little more underground at the time. I don't think people really knew in '88 what to what to make of them. Um, the album was eventually certified gold in the U.S. by 2005. Now, after the album was released, the band in England, uh, when they arrived, they they were there to support throwing muses on the European Sex and Death Tour. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool name. Uh, Beginning at the Mean Fiddler in London. That was the first place they were playing. Uh, The tour also took them to the Netherlands, where the Pixies had already received enough media attention to be headlining the tour. The tour became notable for the band's in-jokes, such as playing their entire set in alphabetical order. That's pretty funny, man. Just doing things to keep it fresh.
0: You know what? He's like naive like that. He got he's weird. Yeah, he's a weird dude. That's because like like I, they they played, um when we went they played one song twice because I think the girl messed up the song the first time. <laughs> so he played again. I said I'm cool. I'm like he didn't let her sing, which was pretty funny.
1: Did, did he Did he say she screwed up?
0: No, he didn't say. He but just he just played so it like, again. It was like, this sounds horrible, but the second time they're playing was so much better.
1: Okay, I guess everybody got
0: it. That's yeah. Fun. That's funny. Well, it's that new girl that's on, um, like, she's not new, she's been there, but.
1: Yeah, the bass player. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk uh, about pass, that. As, whatever her name. As, yeah. So, meanwhile, the Pixies decided to sign an American distribution deal with major record label Elektra. Around this time, the Pixies struck up a relationship with the British producer Gil Norton. Norton produced their second album, Doolittle, which was recorded in the last six weeks of 1988 and seen as a departure from the raw sound of Come On Pilgrim and Surfer Rosa. Doolittle had a much cleaner sound, I would say a more poppy sound, okay? Uh, And that was largely due to Norton's production. Uh, His budget was $40,000 to make that record, which was uh, four times the amount of the last album. So they were able to get more of a sound that they wanted. Uh, Doolittle featured the single Here Comes Your Man. Yep. And uh, basically, it's a very poppy kind of song. Would you agree? Yeah, it's very poppy. Here
0: comes your man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I I, I liked that album a lot when it came out. And uh, I saw them, I think it was at the Ritz or Roseland. I think it was the Ritz. They play all those little
0: venues for many years. Yeah.
1: Know, yes. all they
0: play a few times.
1: They were getting some MTV play with that song too, that video. Yeah. You know? So um, the single actually em- entered the top 100 in the UK. And uh, like Surfer Rosa, though, Doolittle was acclaimed by fans and music critics alike. Uh, it was their first album to enter into the top 200 on Billboard, and it peaked at number 98. Yeah. In the, U- in the UK the album did much better uh reaching number eight in the album charts again um, the UK people they're, are always, yeah, they're always they're always ahead of us right
0: yeah they just like that they, they just like that guitar like drums that's that's what it is they're into their whole guitar bass drum and they're going to a whole different like you know those guys that they, they just like loud music man that's what
1: it is i think i think that europeans in general and particularly the uk they 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 are much more open to new music than americans are oh yeah you know like you know unless a song just busts into the top 10 and becomes huge most americans just listen to the same shit all the time yeah you know so that's just how we are but i i don't you know it's harder for bands to break through here it's always been like that
0: you know what I need to look up how how do rappers do like in um Europe. Oh, they love that shit. Cuz cuz I know that the, the rock and roll does good, but rock and roll if you go to South America, that's like number 1, man. Oh, yeah. it's
1: like crazy. no, you know, in in the last like 15 20 years, you know, where where rock and roll was out of the public consciousness in America, okay? It's it's hardly ever there in in the in the charts. Uh South America, Europe, even Australia—places like that—still going strong.
0: Dude, these motherfuckers are getting like, what do you say? Like, it's filling soccer stadium with a hundred thousand people. Like these bands that you're like, who was playing? They
1: can't. They can't can't get a club date in New York, but they're playing a soccer stadium. (laughs) And I know it's it. It look. I mean, that goes back to the '90s. I mean, when when the the, the last days of the Ramones in the in the early nineties and stuff, they were playing South America twice a year. And that's not an easy tour to do because, you know, the, down there, you know, there's no four star hotels. There's, you know, you're rough. Yeah. Well, you're roughing it, but you're also playing in front of, you know, 50 to hundred thousand people that are in, I mean, I've seen pictures of, of, and video of the Ramones down there just getting bombarded like they were the Beatles you know, wow. and, and then- they love you know they love punk, they love metal, they love thrash, yeah. they love they love that stuff, and these they come out.
0: You know what's so funny? They can't speak a lick of English, but they can sing everything to the songs or any of these rock and roll songs, which is yeah. amazing.
1: Metallica. I mean, it's like huge, damn it. It's crazy. I oh, find yeah, that yeah.
0: fascinating, you know. No, like, yeah, it's it's always the-
1: been so um they took a uh the Pixies would take a hiatus after doolittle, all right. Um, basically. The relationship between Kim Deal and 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 Black Francis really kind of was deteriorating. Um, there was at one point on a tour of Doolittle, they were playing Stuttgart, uh, Germany. Yeah, where Francis threw a guitar at Kim Deal, okay? <laughs> and she was also almost fired from the band when she refused to play a show in Frankfurt. So Santiago, in an interview with Mojo described Deal as being headstrong and uh, wanting to include her own songs to explore her own world on the band's albums. Eventually, she accepted that Francis was the singer and had musical control of the band. But after the Frankfurt incident, they kind of stopped talking. So that was a you know, yeah. bad point. So the band became increasingly tired during the post-Doolittle, which co- it was called the Fuck or Fight Tour, okay? Okay of the United States, <laughs> and <laughs> they called it for the, the U.S. leg of the tour. Um, fighting among the members were continuing, and after the tour's final date in New York City, the band was too exhausted to attend the end-of-tour party the following night and soon announced that they were going on hiatus. I remember that.
0: Yeah, they, uh, it
1: took like, a little, they took like a little nice break. It little break for like a year, you know. Dur- during this time, Santiago and Lovering went on vacation, while Francis performed a short solo tour made up of a number of concerts to generate gas money as he traveled across the country deal formed her new band called the breeders with Tanya Donnelly of throwing muses and bass player Josephine Wiggs of perfect disaster. Their debut album pod was released in 1980. So, you know, Kim and, and Frank were now doing their own thing. Yeah. Cause
0: they, I think they had, they had, they had like I don't know that that's that shit hit the fan real quick with those two man I don't know what the hell was going on maybe you it's know two egos
1: two big egos
0: yeah like it's like she's an alpha male even though she's a woman he's an alpha male and yeah. they just collide they bump head I want this I want that
1: yeah
0: it happens with all the band it happened with the Beatles you know well, it so, happens so.
1: with a lot of bands you know and but she you know it's it's a it's a matter of control you know who's gonna yeah. be in control Creative control,
0: it's always about creative control.
1: Yep, yep. So um, in 1990, all members of the group except for Deal moved out to Los Angeles. Lovering stated that he and Santiago and Francis moved there because the recording studio was there. Unlike previous recordings, the band had little time to practice beforehand, and Black Francis wrote much of the album in the studio, featuring the singles Veloria and Dig for Fire. Yeah, Bossa Nova reached number 70 in the United States. In contrast, the album peaked at number three in the UK. The also, UK. in 1990, the Pixies released a cover of the Paul Butterfield blues band's Born in Chicago on the compilation album Ruby, Electra's 40th Anniversary. Yeah, that's that's pretty good stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely, Bossa Nova is a good record, too. Yeah, yeah. The band continued to tour and released Trump Le Monde, not Trump, like Trumpy, Le Monde, can't speak French, in 1990, uh, their final album before their breakup. This would be the point where they would break up. Uh, The album included the song UMass, which has been described as being about college apathy. (laughs) Uh, The the guitar riff was written years before at, at the University of Massachusetts, before Francis and Santiago had dropped out. Uh, the album also featured a very cool cover of Head On by the Jesus and Mary Chain. Uh, also that year, the band contributed the cover of I Can't Forget to the Leonard Cohen tribute album I'm Your Fan. There he is, yep, yep. And began an international tour on which they played stadiums in Europe and smaller venues in the United States. They then signed to be the support act of U2 on the U.S. leg of the Zoo TV tour in 1992, tensions rose among band members at this point, and at the end of the year, the Pixies went on a sabbatical and forced and 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 basically focused on their separate projects projects that they had. Um, it was at this point that they were just fed up. I think. Yeah, they were done. Yeah, yeah, you know. So in early '93. Francis announced in an interview to BBC Radio 5 that the Pixies were done. All right. Uh, he didn't tell the rest of the band, though, it seems, at that point, <laughs> okay? So he offered no explanation. Uh, he later called Santiago and notified Deal and Lovering via fax machine. That's a fucked up way. to send That's them a fax machine. <laughs> yeah, exactly, by fax <laughs> Well, people break up by text. He probably would have done it like that if texting existed.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's savage.
1: Yeah. Now, after the breakup, the members embarked on uh, separate projects. Black Francis, at this point, would rename himself, the name we know now, Frank Black. Frank Black, that's funny. Yeah. And released several solo albums, uh, including a string of releases as Frank Black and the Catholics. Um, Deal returned to the Breeders, who scored a hit with the song Cannonball. That was was very popular for a while. Yep, yep. Um, And that album was called Last Splash in 1993 and released more albums several years later. She also formed a band called The Amps, who had one album. Santiago played lead guitar on a number of Frank Black albums, as well as other artists' albums. He wrote music for the television show Undeclared, and theme music for the film Crime and Punishment in Suburbia. He formed a band called The Martinis with his wife, Linda Malari, and released the album Smitten in 2004. In 2004, he also played lead guitar on the album Statecraft by the novelist and musician Charles Douglas. Uh, Lovering became a a magician and performed a style of magic he called Scientific Phenomenalism. He was temporarily a member of the Martinis as well, and later drummed with the band Cracker. Remember I did song? not know about the Cracker thing. Yeah, I think it was uh, towards the end of the Cracker career. Okay. Know? Yeah. Um, 4AD and Electra Records continued to release Pixies material. The best of album called Death to the Pixies came out in 97. The John Peel Session we got John Peel again.
0: Yeah, that's the uh, man.
1: right. Pixies at the BBC came out in 1998, and the complete B sides compilation came out in 2001. So they were still kind of, you know, out there putting out putting out things. They were in the forefront. Uh They weren't coming out with any new material yet, but that would change in a but little about, while. That was the record company taking
0: those albums out. Think about that. Then.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they they kind of. Uh, in this period where they broke up The band actually I think got more popular Yeah You know uh, Black also used these labels to release his solo work uh, The labels being Cooking Vinyl in the UK And Spin Art Records in the US um, The 17 track Demo, the Purple Cassette uh, Was released as an EP It okay, yep. finally came out officially now, in the years following the Pixies' breakup, Black dismissed rumors of a reunion. There was going to be no reunion, all right. But incorporated as he toured, he would incorporate Pixies songs into his lineup. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and occasionally he would bring Santiago on stage, and also uh, in his solo work they would they would collaborate as well. Uh, Lovering's Magic Show. He became a magician. He would open up for Frank Black okay, <laughs> to help him out, okay? So in 2003, a series of phone calls among band members resulted in some very low-key rehearsals. And soon the decision came to reunite the band. Now, by February of 2004, a full tour was announced and tickets for nearly all the initial tour dates sold out within minutes.
0: Yep. 'Cause that was that you know, that was crazy. They got back together after yeah. no reunion. We're yeah. not gonna ever play with each other, we hate each other. Guess what? You put the right uh, catch on out there, they went back together. Yeah,
1: I mean they put it behind them and uh they did it for the fans. The fans would they have more fans than ever.
0: But they know? were very underground. Um they were very underground for many years. Like they would never like like they 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 would hardly ever break like the you know, the top ninety in in, in America available, but in Europe there was so much popular, like, you know, they loved it. Like anything they took out, they will it's it was a crack. They'll go out and get it.
1: And and that period between the breakup and when they reunited, music had changed a lot. I think yeah. that in America, like the you know, the grunge scene had fizzled, but I think that what it had done is it, it had opened up some people's minds to you know new kinds of music being pushed more popularly than than you know before. Yeah, they definitely.
0: But but they, they they were also like, you know what? They were always like uh, considered like probably like a little um, what are they call like in the indies. The Pixie were always considered like more indie because they were like the own their own brand. Like they were like they're the Pixie. Yeah.
1: I mean because in two thousand and four really is- in, in two thousand and four when they came back, they they really, you know, there wasn't like this alternative music scene like yeah. there was ten years earlier.
0: Oh yeah. But, was-
1: but they yeah. they transcended that anyway because they were around before that and after it, you know? Yep. So in April of two thousand and four, they played their first reunion concert at the Fine Line Music Cafe in Minneapolis. Uh, a warm up tour through the US and Canada, in which all dates were recorded and released as individual limited edition CDs, was followed by an appearance at the Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival. That's a big deal to play, Coachella. Yeah. The band then spent much of 2004 touring in locations including Europe and the UK. The group won the Act of the Year Award in the 2004 Boston Music Awards. The 2004 Reunion Tour actually grossed over $14 million in ticket sales.
0: Think about it. That's not bad. A lot
1: of money. That's, that's a lot, a lot of, money. of money. Yep. I don't think they ever made $14 million in all the years they existed, like prior yeah. to that, you know. But that year, forget about it. Yep, yep. Being on the Coachella Tour was a big deal. In June 2004, the band released a new song called Bam Thwok exclusively on the iTunes Music Store. It reached number one in the U.K., uh, download chart and 4AD the label released wave of mutilation the best of the pixies yep. along with a companion dvd uh just called the pixies and the band also contributed a rendition of ain't that pretty at all to the warren Zevon tribute album enjoy every sandwich they that was a good song too yep yep in 2005 the pixies made appearances at festivals including Lollapalooza. Uh, Tea on the Fringe, and the Newport Folk Festival. They continue to make appearances through 2006 and 2007, culminating in their first shows ever in Australia. Uh, Francis suggested that a new Pixie's studio album was possible, um, or unlikely, the main obstacle being Deal's reluctance. Okay, Deal was not into making a record at this point. Uh, To celebrate the 20th anniversary of the release of Doolittle, the Pixies launched a tour in October 2009 where they performed the album Track for Track, including the associated B-sides involved with the album. Yeah. Yeah, the tour began in Europe, uh, and it continued into the United States in November with the South American and Australian tours following in March of 2010. Then they went to New Zealand, and then more european dates in spring of 2010 back to north america would follow right after that
0: how much money um, you think they made with that they probably made a few a few more millions and they hit and they hit south america too and then new zealand they hit all these other people
1: yeah i mean you know they're riding on 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 high popularity right here you know yes. it's the 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 fact that they're on these um on these festivals, which was very big at that time, Uh now no one even there's no more festivals, right? Yeah, festivals. I don't know. I guess Coachella is out there, right? I don't know. He, Lollapalooza, you know, They don't do that no more, right? I
0: think that yeah. I think they might have a lot of Palooza. Something they had something really? they had some festival. They had some festival this year with a bunch of bands.
1: Yeah, it just seems more like twenty, twenty-five years ago, you were yeah. thirty years ago. You these festivals were huge all summer long. You know, the warp tour and all that, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the warp tour was very popular. Yeah, I remember that. Now on June 14th hey, in- let
0: me answer this question. I don't think these guys ever played Japan.
1: Ah, you know, that's odd. I would think they would have. But they, they don't say nothing about Japan here. Yeah, it doesn't say anything in my notes about it. I I yeah, that's a good question. If anybody is is listening and they know the answer, put it in the comments. Did they ever play Japan? I'm, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, everybody plays Japan now. So. My, my
0: thing is, these are the kind of guys that they could go to Japan and the Japanese would love these guys. Oh
1: yeah, true, absolutely, and and if they if maybe Kim Deal went to Japan as the Breeders I don't, I don't know they cuz they were big for a minute
0: yeah the Breeders were big
1: yeah you know now in in June of 2013 the Pixies announced that Kim Deal had left the band she was done she yeah. checked out 2 weeks later the band released a new song called Bag Boy as a free download via the Pixies website the song features Jeremy Dubbs of the band Bunnies and formerly of the Bennys, on vocals in place of Deal. As of 2023, Deal and her former bandmates have no relationship. And they're just they're done with each other. Yeah, they're done. You now, know what's funny? The Pixie were like
0: one of those first
1: bands to use like
0: iTunes and download yeah. stuff from the, you know, that that was very innovative, you know. It was,
1: it was. They're one of a few bands doing that, very few. Yeah. Now On July 1st, 2013, the Pixies announced the addition of Muffs and Pandora's guitarist and vocalist Kim Shattuck, okay, to replace Deal for their 2013 European tour. On September 3rd, 2013, the Pixies released an EP of new songs, uh, EP1, it was called. On November 29th, 2013, Shattuck announced that she had been dismissed from the band. Yeah, she, she she didn't last long. In December 2013, it was announced that Entrance Band and A Perfect Circle bassist Paz Lenchantin
0: was joining the
1: Pixies for the 2014 tour. The Pixies released their second EP, called EP2, on January 3rd, 2014. The single released to radio was Blue-Eyed Hex. Another good song. That is a good song. Another new EP, called EP3, was released on March 24th, 2014. All the EPs were only available as downloads or limited edition vinyl. Yep. Cool. The three EPs were collected in LP format and released as the album Indie Cindy in April 2014. It was the first Pixies album in over two decades. In 2015, the Pixies toured in support of Robert Plant for a series of dates across North America. That's kind of an odd lineup right there, right? Yeah, that's two very different stuff. Did you see
0: them on that tour? I might have seen them because, um, it was, was that the uh, the, was that page and plan or just plan by himself? I
1: think it was plant by himself. I kind of remember that it was just plant by himself
0: Cause I know I saw page and plan in um MSG. I forgot who the hell opened for nah, that. That
1: wasn't that wasn't the pixies opening, nah, was, they had
0: they had, they had who it was, but it was a yeah. good it was a good opening. They would say, holy. shit. Yeah, I don't remember who opened that. And that was a great show. And they played all kinds of shit. They played for like a good three hours. It was crazy. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a great show. Now, in July of 2016, the Pixies announced that Lynn Chanton had become a permanent member of the band on bass. And that their se- sixth album, called Head Carrier, yep. would be released on September 30th, 2016. Their seventh album, called Beneath the Irie, was released on September 13th, 2019 backed by lead single, uh, the lead single called On Graveyard Hill. The Pixies released a podcast called It's a Pixies Podcast, documenting the recording of the album. In February 22, Black Francis revealed that he had written up to 40 songs for the band's next studio album. The band released a single called Human Crime in March of 2022, and they released their eighth studio album called Doggerel, with the single called There's a Moon on on September 30th, 2022. And that was via BMG. And that's where we're at now with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you saw them since
0: then, right? Yeah, I, mean, the I saw party. them. They were great. I'm telling you, they were fantastic. I, I always laugh how um Frank Branks he can, he also liked Captain B and he was an Iggy pop. So this guy, the, the thing with that whole band, they all had they all had different musical tastes.
1: Yeah, I mean, one band that I know that they had to be listening to was the Velvet Underground. Oh yeah, definitely Velvet Underground. You know, I, I always picked up a, a lot of Velvets in their music. And yeah, the every time.
0: And yeah, that's very. That's that's a great. You know what? That's great because um, I always thought they were little Velvet Underground too. You know, to the point yeah. that you know they they definitely copied them a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean everybody has, but you know, it's I've known. The first thing I noticed about them when I first heard them 35 years ago, I said, "Oh, they just did." This song is like, that song, Here Comes Your Man. Yeah, and yeah. I like a very it's, 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 feel to it. But, you know, their influences, you know, who's could Do, Captain Beefheart, Iggy Pop, yeah. you know. But then they also would be influenced by R.E.M., and uh, the Beatles, and even Buddy Holly, Frank Black, has said he's influenced by...
0: Yes, Santana so was like over. a big uh, black flag, David Bowie. Oh, yeah,
1: the, the hardcore stuff, you know? yeah, definitely. I mean, because they have a lot of... You know, they're a noisy band, and but they're also melodic. So it's... You know, you have that whole wide range, everything from punk to the Beatles, you know?
0: I'm really surprised. Like, they, they, but the they big, big thing was that... Um, that song appearing on um on um fight club man um where where is my mind that that was like that was a i'm surprised that they have um that that really took them off because they were in that soundtrack and that whole thing took off
1: yeah i don't know if i have the uh the discography here with that um i don't know what that song. i don't remember the name of that song from that movie
0: it was Fight Club. It was where is my mind?
1: Where is my where is my mind?
0: Yeah, that was uh, so. That oh, was cool. like I, I think after they did that, that was definitely very like that was huge because that yes. really, you know, people really started listening to them and the downloads went crazy. It was like wow, and that right. song got rent. Uh, you know, it was like whoa, where did this come from?
1: Right, right, right. right. Very cool. So that's all I got for you today, Mister Rossi. The Pixies, one pixie. of your favorites.
0: Yeah, they're definitely my favorite. You know what it's crazy like that, dude's, that dude that guy writes so much songs. He got like he could he could do like another 2 3 albums like in the next couple Very of years.
1: Prolific. The guy writes 40 songs for one album, you know. It's Yeah, a lot of stuff.
0: So you figure you put like 12 songs in each album, you got you, just with 40 <laughs> songs, you got like three albums, man. Yeah,
1: you got like three or four albums right there. I know. I, I want I,
0: wa- I wonder if they're going to keep doing that cuz they're still touring strong, man, and then like, I can't see the dude. These guys are old now when you look at them and they're still going strong and they're doing that. Like, so far, I think they've been touring every other two every two years. You need to see a pixie tour.
1: Oh, yeah. And they play Madison Square Garden. They can fill it out.
0: Yeah, they play. Well, I went I saw them in Madison Square Garden. It was Dem and Weezer. Yeah. In Madison Square Garden. They're pretty sold out. Who, they each who opened went, for who? Uh, they they actually were the second. There was three bands. I forgot who was the first one. Okay. And oh, then it was uh, the Pixie, Weezer. and then there was Weezer. Was the Weezer album. closed
1: it out. Yeah. Yeah. I like some Weezer stuff, too. It's,
0: yeah, they were good. They were actually good. pretty good. They were playing a lot of old music, you know, like for Mother. It was like a cover album, and they did a tour.
1: Yeah, I remember that cover album. They were, they did Africa by Toto. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it was fantastic.
1: Yeah. It was great. Didn't they so, collaborate with Weird Al? On that, Bobby, album. they did something, man. Yeah, they, they, I think there's a song with Weird owl on it, it? and that's. <laughs> I'd they, love to interview that guy.
0: Dude,
1: Weird owl have you seen? Uh,
0: do you see his documentary, like his movie?
1: Yes. It's fucking crazy, man. It was it's pretty nuts. funny. I liked it. It was good. Definitely was good. Now you mentioned uh you mentioned Page and Plant before. So this yeah. this show is the last rock show of the year of 2023. Uh, our following show at the end of December will be our year-end recap, where we'll have the best album of the year, best new artist of the year, and all that stuff that we do all the time. We're going to review two films, Life of Brian and... I was watching Life of Brian And, and, today. and, the, and the, Monty Python, uh, the Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Okay. Uh, of course, our guest every year, and he's back again, is yeah. Scott the Clown. Okay, he'll be with us on the next show. Uh, and you mentioned Page and Plant and come when we come back in January, the whole month of January rock shows, we got two parts on Led Zeppelin. Ooh, uh, yeah, that's uh, a good will we'll Go deep, talk about the albums, talk about what went on in that band, and and you know it, it, I kind of came full circle with Led Zeppelin over the years. Uh, I always liked songs here and there but I was never like a huge, huge fan. But over the years, that's changed. And now I, you know, I just love listening to them and I just realize how fucking important they are, you know? So, I'm, I mean, a lot of people think that, but it took me yeah. a while to think it.
0: it took I me always a while had a while. love-hate relationship with, um, with, with, with the, whole, the whole Zeppelin thing. They were yeah. really good or they had albums, that I like, what the hell are these guys smoking?
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> Especially the last, you know, the last like two, you know, like that's like, I mean, to me, I I always like the first three albums, yeah. Then physical graffiti and then sporadic stuff here and there, yeah. But you know, they were they were. I mean, the nineteen seventies was Led Zeppelin, you know.
0: Yeah. Growing up,
1: (laughs) growing up in that era, you know, as a kid, they were really hamming over your head. You know, you had to really love them, whether you knew a song or not, you know, everybody loved them.
0: You see the um the Empire State Building had a big thing for Kiss.
1: No. Well they they called it
0: Kiss Day like uh November 30 Eric Eric um Adam declared a kiss day so they had like they had like the the stats the the Empire State building with all four members going on and off and like lights clearing
1: they had their their pictures on the side of the building like yeah it was crazy. uh, Oh, that's cool.
0: It was kind of cool, yeah. It was yeah, kind of cool. cool. It was a like, uh, Thursday, yeah, Thursday night. They called the official. Uh, yeah, kiss I mean, day. they're
1: playing it. They they just they're playing their last two shows at the beginning of this month. Uh, they got like a pop up store,
0: like on 30th Street. It's like a Kiss pop up store. They got oh, really. They're selling all kind of weird shit.
1: Yeah, they did that for the Stones when that album came out this yeah. year. Yeah, you know they yeah, have pop up. stores. You, store
0: you want to hear that. something funny? I was cracking up, just at the beginning of. Uh, Life we brought in with Brian, the three wise men coming, they're real nice. <laughs> they
1: <take all> the- <laughs> That's nuts, that movie. I love that. <laughs>
0: it was fantastic. Yes, yeah, so everybody,
1: make sure you stay tuned and watch the, the, um, yeah, know, it'll, be, it'll be out like the very end of the month, the uh, 2023 recap.
0: Recap, end of the year. Um, Mike, so how can people get to you if they need to uh, reach out?
1: Okay, uh, I'm all over social media. You can find me. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter as rockermike212, or Twitter now known as X, rockermike212. I'm on uh, Truth Social, Getter, Clout Hub, MeWe, just as rockermike. And, uh, of course, Facebook, where I'm most active. You find me under rockomike. Um, they won't let me use rockermike. Mike, and, of course, the Rock Show Podcast group page, on Facebook. Uh we got close to 2,000 members now. Um doing very well on there. And where can we find you, Rob? Anywhere, uh Thread X,
0: um Facebook, um what's the other one? Uh Instagram. You can find me in all of those. Like just um, Yeah we're, we're also
1: on we're also on threads too. You could find yes. me at Rocker Mike two one two on threads. That's actually almost. You know what's funny about that? That thing's almost like Twitter.
0: Also, it's almost the same thing. Yeah. the the The, the only thing is, that they don't monitor as much because there's some crazy people on that, thing. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Threads is Threads is nothing but like naked chicks and and same. you know some weird ass on? shit. Yeah, I don't know Maybe. what's. The, I know I get fo- I get follow requests from like naked chicks all day long on Threads. I,
0: I'd be like, no. (laughs) What kind of virus
1: would they bring? (laughs) Yeah. Then they have this weird thing, like they 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 show themselves half naked and they're like, Oh, I'm a small I'm a small site. I'll I'll follow you if you follow me. Yes. Mm. No, no. It's all right. It's it's amazing. It's the same thing on Instagram. As soon as you follow one of these people within thirty seconds they they're like asking you for gas money so they can come visit you.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it's true. So funny. It's true. But you're 100%, you're 100% right.
1: <laughs> so, all right. So, another show in the books, the Pixies. Thank you, yeah. everybody, for uh, watching The Rock Show. And uh, what do we always say at the end of the show, Rob? You don't get drunk, you get lumped up. we we'll see you next time. Take care, people. <laughs>
0: get up, up tonight, listen
1: to Rob Ross and Rock of mine, on the only podcast that I'll hear, that won't make me want to rip off my